This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Good morning. How are you doing so far? We're into day four of 2022. Keep going on those resolutions. Uh, we're going to help uh, power you through all of that today. Good morning. It's Glenn Leverin's in for John Morales today. Thanks for joining us for Morning Air here on Relevant Radio. You know, this time of year, lots of things to celebrate, but it uh, can bring a lot of sadness, too. We'll talk about grief during this holiday period and uh, during COVID. And uh, are things back to normal yet or not? Uh, Kathy Stang joins us from the Healing Grounds. That's before this hour is through. Uh, but uh, right now we're going to talk a little more about what's in the name of the holy name of Jesus being celebrated there yesterday and really ought to be celebrated on our tongues day in and day out. I, I think about names a little bit, anything from, as uh, we mentioned yesterday, thumbing through baseball cards. Uh, didn't use any of those names, but trying to be inspired when it came to trying to name my own children. To In radio, you have radio names. Sometimes they're given to you. Sometimes you, you pick them. I had a, a couple occasions through the years to pick names. At one point, it was Glenn Miller. I thought, well, that's easier to say than Leverens, and uh, people might remember that, especially a, a potential radio boss. And uh, Glenn Miller, you know, the big band leader from the 40s, but when you're doing top 40 in the 80s, the audience doesn't know, <laughs> maybe know that uh, top of mind awareness. Uh, picked another name that was easy to say, and uh, later on in teaching a radio class, turns out that name that I had borrowed from a, a basketball player, uh, turns out the guy in the radio class uh, also played with that guy a year later after I had occasion to be announcing that game and run into that name that was so so easy to say at the time. But we talk about uh, what's in a name. We talk about that today with Martha Fernandez Sardina, a regular guest on Morning Air. She's pretty busy as an international bilingual speaker, teacher, trainer, writer, and uh, does a lot of things, including being the founder of RememberYourLove.com and the Remember You Are Loved TV series. Martha, good morning. Happy New Year to you. Thank you, likewise, and Merry Christmas until the very end. Absolutely. My stuff is still up, and it's not just by accident. That'll happen later. But uh, it's uh, still there, and I'm, I'm still enjoying it. And I think the uh, the older I get, the, the more I enjoy it before the 25th and well after the 25th as well. And I do say that I have a, a pretty active front door, so I notice the, the wreath is is on there, unlike some houses where the front door hasn't been used as much, and sometimes that can that can linger into, uh, the wreath can linger into, into February. <laughs> so Absolutely. anyway. But, in uh, fact, you know, but, some people celebrate uh, the Christmas season until February 2nd, which is the Feast of the Presentation of Our Lord in the Temple, which is a Christmas feast as well. So, yeah, carry on. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm talking late February with this, but uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, keep those Christmas lights burning brightly as well. And speaking of burning brightly, uh, the name of our Lord, we're going to talk about what's in a name, the power of names, the importance of names. And it, like I mentioned just a moment ago, Martha, in radio, sometimes uh, you're given a, a stage name, a radio name, as it were. Sometimes you'll pick one. It can be for anything from... Uh, 
trying to be anonymous in real life to something that might sound a little better. Uh, sometimes uh, a particular station, everybody will have a silly name along the, the same lines of uh, the spirit of the station or, or something like that, or often there'll be uh, you know regular, real, and, and, and legal names as well, but they become a little more flexible, maybe depending on, on one's life. But in Bible times, they had great import, and it goes all the way back to Adam being given the, the job of naming the animals and stuff. That's correct. And it's interesting that you mentioned about radios and uh, radio and names and so forth, because in the world, it seems like we uh, oftentimes want to have a big name and we want to invite big names to our events. And here's the thing. We need to be as humble and as little as the newborn child who has the name above every other name, the name before which we will bend and bow and have to recognize for all eternity. But yes, it goes right back to the beginning when the Lord himself names things. He gives things their proper name, which is very important also in our day and age. So I'm gonna to wanna to touch here on several angles about the name, especially because we celebrated yesterday, as you said, the feast of the holy name of Jesus, the most holy name of Jesus, which feast we should carry out as a New Year's resolution, I propose to our listeners throughout the entire year, not just this month, which is dedicated to the holy name of Jesus, but keep the name above every other name on the forefront of your mind as a resolution for this year to keep the name of Jesus, the great I am who became a little child. But we see that the Lord names things at the very beginning. And this is very important because we're living in a day and age which is accelerating the renaming, the redefining, the changing of all things, even the inversion of things. If God says it's good, many in the world say it's evil. If God says it's evil, many in the world say it's good, the it being any number of things. If God says it's male and female, others say it's whatever you want it to be. But we see at the very beginning that the Lord God Almighty names things. And then Adam when he names Eve, I suggest he actually recognizes who she already is. And therefore, when he names her from Ishman to Isha, woman, woman, then he is recognizing what God has already named her, what God has already made her an equal, a partner, someone to with whom to mirror and reflect and reveal god's image and likeness with which they are created but it's very beautiful so let's touch during this time that we're together today uh glenn precisely on that how god gives everything its proper name and mission how the father has given us the name above every other name from which we can draw everything that we will need this year and for all eternity thirdly how the lord beckons us each one of us and calls us by name as he says in isaiah i have called you by name and you are mine. <clears throat> that is very important because a lot of times we wonder who I am, whose I am, where do I belong, where do I fit in? Well, know that the Lord has called you by name and you are mine, he says through the prophet Isaiah 43.1. And last but not least, let's touch a little bit upon the fact that precisely there's a lot in a name. You know, as Shakespeare asks, what's in a name? There's a lot in a name. And in the name of Jesus, we have life versus death, we have the blessing versus a curse. We have a right relationship versus a void. We have order for our lives and our world 
as opposed to the chaos that the world and that the devil offer us. Well, Martha, giving names to things helps us to put things in order, to organize things, right, in, in, in one sense, but also the, the great power and gift of a name as well. I recall in naming, and I had girls, and I, I tried to, you know, think of this, the, the most beautiful names I could think of, and of course they had to be names that, you know, weren't associated with someone that I knew very well or didn't have a good association with it couldn't remind it had to be uh either something you know that didn't remind you of something or it was only positive not some you know you didn't like someone with that name you weren't going to name that your, your kid that name uh but uh, what what a gift a good name can be that's so true that reminds me when my mother was telling us always she'd tell us how she uh, and my father picked our our various names and she wanted either uh saints which is something that we need to continue to encourage our fellow Catholics, name your children with Catholic names, with names of saints, so that we might uh, have an opportunity to emulate the virtues and the life of, of these saintly people. And also she would say, uh, people that she knew that were good, good men, good women, uh, you know, good people, good citizens, etc. so that you have a name that actually uh, signifies something. And, and that's also why it's so beautiful to pick a beautiful baptismal name for your child. Uh, and later in life, when we're confirmed at whatever age, sometimes confirmation does happen uh, together with baptism, but um, otherwise in um, late childhood or, or early uh, youth, uh, pick a name that is that symbolizes and signifies the type of person that you have discerned or the parents have discerned for their child is the type of mm, person who has been set aside by God with a mission and of course we each have our own call we're not going to be just like another saint we're meant ourselves to be saints but while, while you were as you were saying while we have some models before us we then can emulate those virtues and fall into the mission that god has given us because when god names us and calls each of us by name he also gives us a mission he gives us a gift and a lot of times as we begin the new year uh, Glenn, we're all setting forth uh, New Year's resolutions. And if our resolutions are mostly about gaining stuff and losing pounds, I think we have lost the sense of the new liturgical year, which is just about a month and a bit over a month year old, uh, month, month old, because it began with Advent. So, so about a month and a half old. And uh, we've already, have we already made new liturgical year resolutions and during this calendar year that has just begun must our resolutions focus a bit more on the spiritual nature of our being and what mission what does god have in mind for you this year what good does he wish to accomplish through you and in you what change does he wish to accomplish in you and through you in what way does he want to use you as a love messenger to someone this year and in what ways does the lord god of love want to love message you this year in a special way in a way that is healing that is transformative that is in keeping with the name he has given you and by which he calls you and to the mission that he calls you to exercise in this world. So it's very important that we take a look precisely at who it is that I am in the eyes of the Lord. And as I said at the top there, he has called you by name and he says, you are mine, Isaiah 43, one. That is an amazing 
awesome reality that oftentimes we forget. I am above all gods. I belong to God. God is my father. Jesus is my Lord and my brother. The Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit indwell us through baptism and through sanctifying grace. And so all of this year, I want to stay in a state of grace. I want to stay within the Trinity and have the Holy Trinity stay within me. And as Jeremiah says in verse, uh, chapter 31, verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And this is not Jeremiah the prophet who is speaking on his own behalf. It is the Lord God Almighty who is saying to you, to me, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And so in a sense, Glenn, our second name is loved. You and I, Glenn loved, Martha loved, Sarah loved, John loved, etc. We are loved by God. And so for us to live in that love this year in a deeper way, I think is a great New Year's resolution, a great honoring of the holy name of Jesus and a great continuation of the Christmas spirit, even through ordinary time, even through Lent, Easter, ordinary time again, until the next liturgical year that begins next Advent. Preach it, sister. Good stuff with Martha Fernandez Sardina this morning here on Morning Era, learning that we are loved through the midst of all of those things in that name that uh, we represent uh, as being uh, belonging to Christ uh, ought to uh, help us to know that we need to be sharing that love as well as knowing that we are loved. Talking about the power of a name, the power of the name of Christ as well today here. Uh, just a, a thought about uh, names on the practical side as well as we dive into more uh, scriptural history on the, the power of names as well. But for, for little kids, they hear the, they learn their name. They know, hopefully, to, to come when called, right? Uh, other kids call them by name. They're in school getting their name called all the time. Maybe if they have a tricky last name, they're teaching their uh, teachers how to pronounce their name anew every uh, three months or so when classes change. Mm -hmm. But I, I think, I wonder if uh, in terms of names, if I've thought historically too lightly about them with names changing for radio on occasion, uh, being adopted at five months. This is something I never thought about until my youngest daughter, I think was around eight and came up with the idea, well, what was your name when you were a baby? Because I probably wasn't just baby doe for five months. You know, I probably, I don't know for sure, I probably was in foster care with a, a name, and I'd never thought of that. The very, very interesting stuff. And then the more we, we think of names, I grew up as an only kid, but uh, had a brother who'd passed away before I was born and uh, took his name as my confirmation name. And so as we learn and grow, too, uh, names have a little more import. But uh, when we think of little kids really, really latching on to the power of a name or not, um, and even this same young daughter of mine, we'd call her by her first and middle name, not not to be, you know, trying to get her attention because she was naughty, but it just flowed nicely together so much. Is, is that my name? Oh, well, that's actually your middle name. We just add it to, you know, what we're talking about. But, but kids seem to innately know that uh, a name has great import. Yes, and it's uh, interesting that you had mentioned something that I did not know about you, that you were adopted. And uh, I say it's interesting because uh, precisely on New Year's Eve, uh, when I went down to a public um, display of fireworks, there, uh, a, there was a young boy, he's about 12 or 13, and he went by me on his bike, and I recognized him immediately. But uh, to my surprise, he recognized me, and he shouted, 
I lost my wristband. Now, this is Joseph. He uh, seems to me, he's a kid in the neighborhood. He seems to me to be um, a little bit hyper and possibly ten, uh, tending to uh, be a, um, a bit of a troublemaker, but also the leader of the pack. Now, I had uh, met uh, Joseph before uh, several weeks ago, actually two or three months ago, um, with uh, another three or four friends of his who were riding bikes, um, um, Joseph and Merrick and a couple of other kids. And uh, I had given them some of my love wristbands, my Remember You Are Loved wristbands, and I had placed them on them and I had chatted with them and I had messaged them and I had told them how precious they are in God's eyes and how much he loves them and how important they are and how no matter what happens around them, no matter what names they're called by other people, because there's a lot of name calling in society and kids bully one another and adults bully uh, other adults these days. And so I had messaged them with love. And so when he saw me, he immediately wanted that love reminder. So I called, I said, I said, come on over and I'll give one to you. So then three other boys pulled up on their bikes and I got talking to uh, a couple of them. And one of them, Dominic, um, I said, are you Latino? Because he looked Latino. And he said, well, I was born in Guatemala, but I am adopted and I live here in the United States with my parents and my, and my siblings. And uh, the other uh, chimed in, he's 15, and he said, um, Thomas, he said, I'm adopted too, but by my grandmother because my mom is in jail. So I thought, wow, these kids really need a message of love. So I went on precisely to do what I love, which was to tell them how precious they are in God's eyes and how much he knows them. And even though you are adopted, Dominic, uh, and even though your mother is not with you and Thomas and your father, he says he doesn't know who his father is. I said, the Lord God is your father and he knows you and he knows everything about you and he has a plan for your life and you are precious in his eyes and he loves you. And I went on and they were just soaking it in, you know, just taking it in. And of course, I gave them each a wristband as well. And I told them, wherever you go, that's a love reminder. This is a reminder of who you are and who you are in God's eyes and who you belong to because you belong to royalty. You are children of the king. That's our royal lineage that's where we our worth comes from is from knowing that we are children of god that he has loved us he thought you into existence he created you with a purpose and so that message which i gave to them i give to each one of you who are listening to me today that's the message that we want to carry that we want to carry us through this year no matter what difficulties might come it might be as difficult a year as the one that just ended or the one before that, which have been very difficult for so many of us. There have been so many losses, loss of life, loss of income, loss of family relationships, loss of closeness, loss of all sorts of things. The one thing we have not lost, Glenn, is the love of God, the name he has given us, the mission he has given us, and the fact that we belong to God. I have called you by name and I love you because you are mine. Good work, Martha. Very good work uh, in uh, infusing those kids with that great message of love. And I think for me that, I mean, I always knew I was adopted. I never remember not knowing that. And I remember it being utterly normal in talking to other uh, adoptive parents. And we've had several working at Relevant Radio through the years that have adopted kids. And they like nothing better than a, a, a boring story of uh, an adoptive kid's life, that it was just utterly normal. And so I'd have mm -hmm. to say that was, that was the case. But I think uh, knowing, too, that 
uh, that God loves us and he adopts us through the work of his son that, uh, you know, everything is good. Everything is good as we continue with Martha Fernandez Sardina talking about the name of Christ and, and the power that's in that name. Martha, the power and the specialness of that name, uh, you know, rises to the level of we're not supposed to take the Lord's name in vain all the way down to just the fact that, uh, you know, demons tremble at that name, the, the power of that name. And uh, even when we, we talked about this a little yesterday too, saying the name of Jesus out loud, it gives one pause in a good way. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, there are uh, priests or exorcists who uh, reveal to us things that, that are interesting, I think, uh, for our spiritual warfare. And one of them is that uh, demons hate the name of Jesus. They also hate the name of Mary. And so uh, why? because there's power in the name. There is salvation in the name. There is forgiveness and redemption and deliverance in the name of Jesus. There's protection and there's healing and there's health and true wealth, eternal wealth in the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus signifies closeness. Not only does Jesus mean God saves, but he is Emmanuel, God with us. And so when you pronounce the name of Jesus, when you call upon the name of Jesus, when you uh, bless yourself in the name of Jesus and also in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, which we as Catholics do quite often, and some Protestants also I've learned, and certain prayers in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking just um, uh, Lutherans and Episcopalians, but even uh, Baptists I've heard say that. When we do that, when we clothe ourselves in the name of Jesus, we're protected and we enter into right relationship with Jesus. We know our place and the demons know our place too. And they know their place, that they are submitted to the name, to the mighty name of Jesus, which also, Glenn, is a name that brings sweetness and comfort. Can you imagine Mary rocking Jesus and saying, Jesus, Jesus. And so when we call upon the name of the Lord, whether it's in anguish, Jesus, save us, or whether it's Jesus, 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 comfort me, console me, comfort and console my family members, give us grace, give us your protection, give us your healing, Give us your deliverance. And in that sense, we are uh, covering ourselves with a mantle of protection. And also, every time we call upon the name of the Lord, we are calling also down the blessings of God and reminding our soul of the promises of all the good things to come, the assurance of salvation that we have in the Lord. It fills us with confidence, which is why the Lord himself taught us through St. Faustina, um, through the Divine Mercy Devotion, to say daily, often, but especially at the three o'clock hour, Jesus, I trust in you. In this world in which there's so much chaos, in which there's so much confusion, in which so many who claim to be the most trusted name in news with very skewed views about reality, we need to remind ourselves that Jesus is the most trusted name in all news, he is the good news, and his views are the ones that we need to adopt. And it's through a relationship, that right relationship with Jesus Christ as our God and our Lord and our Savior, it's through his eyes and through the lens of the gospel that we must look at all of the reality around us and learn and pray to learn to discern 
properly right from wrong, good from evil, truth from falsehood, especially in this day and age. And so, uh, yes, as adopted children of the Father through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and calling upon the name of the Lord, we will situate ourselves in a much better position to face challenges, to face our own sorrows, to face uh, all that the enemy of the world of flesh and the devil might throw at us, and uh, even to uh, raise the dead in the name of Christ, to heal the sick in the name of Christ, to bless those who need a blessing in the name of Christ. So call upon the name of the Lord often, and, and as uh, we hear in the Acts of the Apostles, uh, there has been no other name given to us by which we are saved. So call upon the name of the Lord, do it daily, do it often, bless yourself often. Uh, I, I don't get out of bed without blessing myself with holy water and commending myself to God in prayer uh, and to my guardian angels as well. So do that and do that often. Martha, about uh, half a minute left here, I was going to ask her some practical suggestions for the new year to make better use of the name of our Lord. And I think you just uh, gave us some of those as well, but maybe encouraging others to to say that name out loud a little bit more too, and just uh, just listen to it. Like you said, whether uh, calling out in distress or uh, calling out in affection, uh, just the power of, of hearing that name of, of Jesus. But any uh, final practical steps for 2022 to better incorporate that name in our lives? Yes, make Jesus the foundation of this year and of your life, the platform on which you build your life this year. Make Jesus the entryway, the gate, the door, your access point to truth and to happiness, to health and to wealth. Make Jesus the most trusted name in the news and the primary source of your views. Make Jesus, in the name of Jesus, what your go-to source of all that is good and holy and pray this year that the lord will, ha- will allow you to live with eyes wide open so that you might be in the know and discern right from wrong truth from falsehood good from evil and know always that you are loved so to each one of you i want to say at the very start of this year remember you are loved oh we love to have you on just to hear that if nothing else uh, thank you so much martha fernandez sardina joining us regularly here on morning air find out more martha fernandez sardina.com we uh, carry on with a look at grief during times of covid and the holidays kathy stang a grief counselor joins us next as morning air continues here on relevant radio and the relevant radio app catholic order of foresters is proud to sponsor the relevant radio studio line for information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans visit relevantradio.com slash forester get connected to the conversation call us now at 888-914-9149 that's 888-914-9149 you're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Morning Air continues here on Relevant Radio. It's Glenn in for John. Still to come at the top of the hour, the man with all the answers, Patrick Madrid, is on the way. We'll have another news story corner for you as well. But first, something that's very difficult to talk about this time of year that can affect so many. And uh, it might not just be based on what happened in the past year, but uh, it could be several years back as well. Talking a little bit about one of the challenges we might not like to unwrap this time of year, but uh, it comes whether we're planning for it sometimes or not in different ways too, and that's grief during the holiday season, especially as we're not all the way through all the COVID stuff yet. Either a grief counselor is with us. She's the, the founder of The Healing Grounds, Kathy Stang. Kathy, thanks for joining us. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. This time of year often can be difficult for people. It's a time of such high expectations. And so it can be a challenge if kind of all the regular things in life uh, don't you know, go according to plan. And we also, maybe the older we get too, tend to think back on more and more Christmases that we've had, of course, as uh, that number piles up. And they're not always the same because not everyone is, is still there with us. Is this time of year it just a, a time where you might be busier than ever in terms of helping people deal with grief during the holidays. It is. It really, really is. You know, and you get so many calls right before the holiday season starts. You know, I've just been inundated with new clients and many calls of former clients wanting to get back in. Um, The last two years has been a challenge, you know, as you mentioned with the whole COVID thing, still kind of in the forefront of our minds. It's just added a whole different dynamic to how people grieve. Well, and that's something last time we chatted quite a while ago was the the delay in grief due to COVID when things were shut down pretty tight and uh, funerals had to be different or couldn't be held or only with very immediate family. It was just something at the the gravesite. There wasn't the kind of usual funeral opportunity. And refresh us again how delaying grief, the, the special challenges with that. You know, some people were not able to bury their loved ones um, because of gatherings or the gatherings had to be very small um, and they weren't able to come together as a family. And that's one of the things that's huge in getting through grief and mourning is to be able to mourn along with our loved ones and friends. Um, It brings a a whole different dynamic to things when People can be together to share stories and to, um, you know, share remembrances and and jokes and laugh and cry and everything together. Um, And that was delayed sometimes. Sometimes, you know, with cremation being as prevalent as it is now, we could delay things sometimes months until it was easier to get outside and have burials and so forth. Um, So it's really changed things, Um, even, you know, aside from the burials themselves and and the funerals, it's like just getting to be with relatives because of the hospital restrictions, long-term care facility restrictions, nursing home restrictions. I'm dealing kind of with that now that, you know, only one person is allowed in at a time to be with their loved ones. And um, it's really causing causing a lot of different types of pain for people that I'm not sure I have my finger on the pulse of it yet, but, but working on that. One of the stages of, of grief is, is anger and extra anger maybe this year when we thought we were through the first round of COVID and it's uh, not all over yet. Is that make people even more inclined to snap a little bit at one another? You know, it is because you know, one of the situations that I have is they haven't been able to see this relative in the past two years that had just recently passed away because of COVID restrictions and different things. So that's two years, you know, that we made it through the first year and we thought, okay, this is going to get better. But as far as visitation um, at, you know, healthcare facilities, those restrictions really didn't change. In fact, they almost were enforced more. So, you know, sometimes people are almost two years out from seeing these people and then they're gone. So they feel like they lost two years of their lives with them. 
Um, and it does. It causes anger. It causes confusion and frustration. And the whole COVID thing in our lives in general, we have so many, you know, secondary losses, you know, aside from death, that people are on edge. And it is easy, you know, to strike out and maybe do things that we typically wouldn't do personality-wise. Talking grief with grief counselor Kathy Stang from Healing Grounds today. In the best of times, um, many are lost without the opportunity for loved ones to say goodbye. If someone might be very ill and near death, but a chance for people to gather around and and say their goodbyes. What are some of the main challenges for people uh, remaining that are grieving if they haven't been able to say those last goodbyes? They're having a difficult time, and and I don't like to use the word closure because I don't feel like there ever is closure when we lose someone, nor really should there be, because their memory should live on with us. Um, But I believe that there's a piece that's just missing, and people are feeling that, and they don't really know what it is. They've not been able to have maybe conversations that they needed to have. even with airline restrictions and things like that, just travel in general or getting to be with your loved one if you have to travel across country or anything like that. But the thing that I'm countering a lot now is a type of forgiveness that needs to happen. And I always say that um, right now, anyway, I'm saying that there's a sixth stage to grief and that that would be for the forgiveness piece. And it might be because of things that have been left unsaid. Does that kind of go both ways uh, in terms of forgiving the person that has gone on as well as maybe forgiving ourselves for wishing we had been able to ask for forgiveness from the person who's gone on? Absolutely. And, you know, it's even more so the forgiving ourselves piece. You know, the I would have, should have, could have, or I wish I would have done this, or, um, you know, I li- wish life with that parent or loved one would have been different than it was. And, and just making peace with that and taking our own part of our ownership in what that is. You know, how were we involved? What do we have to own from that situation? As we think about uh, grief and, and, and loved ones, sometimes that memory and even the, the pain of the grief can come back more strongly years later, right? Especially around a holiday. Mm-hmm. I know that there are so many things that we should be cognizant of if we ourselves have loved ones that we've lost or if we are going to be among other people that have had, you know, recent losses or even not so recent losses. Because, again, we're talking about a two-year period here where people were not connecting like they used to. And you may have lost your loved one last year already. And well-meaning people will think, well, it's been a year, they're going to be okay. Um, And not necessarily, because they've never really been able to mourn properly through that first year to begin with. And, you know, we all kind of have this um, idea that once you've gone through a year of all the firsts, that the second year is easier, which is not necessarily always the case and definitely not the case due to COVID. We ask about how we can best help those that uh, have lost a loved one for the, the friends and other loved ones behind that are trying to take care of someone who's lost someone very, very close to them. And we know there are no magic words and often uh, just shutting up and, and being present is, is much more helpful than, than trying to say something terribly Absolutely. awkward. Um, and, <laughs> Absolutely. And, and that might be the case, too, for, for people that are, you know, that it's been a while, like we just talked about. 
Mm-hmm. And I think we we shouldn't be afraid to bring up that person. I know sometimes we're reluctant to bring up a name, but there's nothing that someone that's lost someone wants to hear more than their loved one's name um, or to have them recognized and be able to talk about them. There are so many things, you know, we can do as hosts and hostess as we're receiving people into our homes this year a little bit more. Like you said, being present to people, providing space for them, but just really showing grace to people. Um, knowing, you know, extending the invitation of saying, hey, you know, I know that this is probably a tough time for you, and I don't know if you want to come to this Christmas celebration, but you are certainly welcome to. And I also understand if last minute you change your mind and want to decide to cancel. So that's kind of what I mean by grace, is just to extend that invitation, but with the you know, the caveats that you also know that it can change for them as their mood and their feelings change. A lot of uh, talk about grief deals with uh, losing loved ones through death, but uh, grief can also happen if we've lost something else, even uh, kind of a sense of normalcy that we've had for a while. And as that stretches out, I think our last chat, we talked about this, how we're grieving, you know, normal life due to COVID and not everything has returned and some things are turning back again a little bit here is, you know, wave after wave might might come through and some more serious than others. Are, are we kind of surprised that we might not be over grieving the, the old normal from two years ago? I'm not surprised, you know, by that at all. And I see it, you know, every day and working with clients. A lot of them can't put their finger on, you know, what's changed or why they're feeling the way they're feeling. But when you kind of go through a checklist of all your losses over the last two years and, you know, their eyes just get huge because they're like, wow, I never thought of that. I never thought of that. But yes, all of those things happened, you know, might have been loss of a job or, you know, loss of your church community from not feeling comfortable going into those types of environments. And there's just so many different losses that have happened, you know, homeschooling. Um, Do I send my kids back to school or should I keep them home yet? Um, So there's a lot of, of different components that come into play when people are thinking about loss. One of the components is kids, and we often bring how do we talk to kids about tough things into to various conversations. Um, talk a little about in, in, in general, and then if there's even more COVID-specific things, about how we help kids deal with grief. Kids are a lot more resilient than we give them credit to be. You know, in, in my era growing up, it was you were kind of seen and not heard, and, you know, grandparents died or people died and they just didn't talk about it much you went through you know the formality of the funeral and then it was over with and nobody really talked about it you know why did grandpa die or what happened to grandma Um, those conversations are really important for kids so that they don't fear death that they're made aware that that nothing's going to happen to them just because a loved one, you know, passed away and they need security in their lives. So I think the more that we can be open and and truly answer their questions when they have them is, is the best thing that we can do for our children. Um, They don't need long elaborate answers. They just need straightforward and to the point. More on kids and grief with grief counselor, Kathy Stang, as we continue with morning air next on relevant radio and the relevant radio app. Today, we'd like to thank Daniel, who's listening in Arkansas, for donating his Dodge. 
You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. There are places I remember all my life, though some have changed, some forever, not for general, we think of Authenticity being very important, and we ought to be that way for all age groups. We also note that, uh, at least among the older portion of the audience, perhaps it was that growing up at a time when kids were, you know, seen but not heard, and there wasn't a lot of discussion about things that might my tickle feelings, good, bad, mm-hmm. or indifferent, uh, <laughs> but that yeah. that that gradually has changed. But how important is it for even younger kids to really get an honest look at what's going on, to acknowledge that something happened here and not just sweep it under the rug? I think it's very important. You know, it sets the tone for how they deal with any loss moving forward in their lives. You know, if if they have a loss of a grandparent, you know, to get them involved in that. I know so many times we'll go do funeral planning and we'll leave the children at home where now I think if you involve your children in it and, and make them feel part of it rather than just showing up for a day that they don't really understand what's going on. Um, and kids, too, again, like I said, you don't need to have elaborate explanations for kids. But I do think that we need to even think about our terminology a little bit more. We need to call death what it is. Death is dying. They have died. You know, your grandparent has died. Um, we tend to say passed away or passed on or, you know, we try to soften things. Um and sometimes I think that that builds an unrealistic expectation in kids' minds. I think that we need to be more specific because the next time, you know, say they lose their pet, they have to understand that, you know, their pet is not coming back, um, if that makes sense. Now, in addition, we, we talk so much about, you know, grief in terms of uh, losing someone, but in terms of helping kids to understand a loss and then, after you know the appropriate amount of thought and consideration and consoling one another to to move on is kind of dealing with grief not in terms of death but in terms of other disappointments in life important because i don't know that we maybe talk enough about being able to you know whatever age pick ourselves up again after a, a sad thing a, you know certainly the loss of a loved one but you know loss of a job or a loss of a situation or something like that and we or, you know, it could be something that happened to us or something that, you know, we caused ourselves and, and regret. And we need to, to pick ourselves up and move on with plan B and, and C and D to, to succeed in life or survive life at the very least. Uh, do we talk enough about that? I think that the key there is to communicate, you know, with our children, to have good conversations, you know, and to be intentional is how I put it is to have intentional conversations with our children about life and about what's going on at school, um, what's going on with their friends. And if we can get in the habit, you know, just to take, you know, even if it's like a half hour a week to be intentional and ask some intentional questions to our kids, I think our communication would open up a lot more and they'd be much more trusting with everything, you know, that happens and, and, be more forthcoming and coming to you as a parent to discuss those things. Um, And what I mean by that is asking good questions, like questions that don't allow them just to go, yes, no, uh (laughs) uh-huh. 
you know, you get that from kids a lot, but to say things to them like, so, you know, how was school today? And for instance, you know, here in Cold Spring, we had, you know, a threat of sorts and um, kids were going to school the next day with a little bit of fear. But then to open up those questions to them that say like, so what have you heard about that situation that's going on? So that they have to elaborate more on their answers. And then can you tell me how you're feeling about that? Or could you share with me some of the thoughts you've had over that? So just asking better um, intentional questions. Our guest uh, today here, Kathy Stang, a founder and certified grief care provider at the Healing Grounds. We talked about the increase in uh, dealing with grief for so many this time of year, if it isn't uh, someone uh, newly passed, but just uh, remembering this time of year, people that might have been around the table forever until this past year. For yourself in dealing with grief and uh, maybe more so this time of year with uh, more and more people and and through COVID, what uh, are any significant things you've learned maybe about uh, how to look at grief yourself? I think for myself, it comes down to my faith for me. Um, when I do deal with people, um, it's so difficult when people don't have a faith background to fall back on. For me, it's like that's what I surrender to. You know, I, I trust that God, you know, has a plan for all of us. So many times that plan doesn't make sense. But if I go to my Bible and I find out the promises that God makes for me, that's what I, that's what I rest on. That's ultimately what we we all need to to rest on that that bedrock of faith and like you said, kind of giving over or giving up to God as as hard as we strive and as much as we're called to do our very best, but to acknowledge that uh, you know He's the one uh, ultimately in charge and you know we can mm-hmm. we can rest in that. Sometimes we uh, we we run in our own strength until we drop before we can rest in that. But, but the, exactly. the sooner we realize uh, he can be that aid station along the way on the marathon with that cool cup of water as well. You know, and I find myself doing that too, you know. Um, sometimes I want to pick up people's problems and and fix them, but I, I know that I'm not here to fix them. I'm just here to companion them and walk alongside with them through it. So there are times that I pick things up and I have to realize they're in my hands and say, okay, I need to lay this back down at the cross again. Looking back as we're talking here to earlier in my adult life as a Lutheran lay pastor in our training as we would deal with those who are going through grief in addition to visiting those who are shut-ins at home or a nursing home and, and things like that. But the uh, the main point they wanted to get across in the training is that we were there to, to hold their hope while they were dealing with tough things until they were ready to pick it up again. Yeah, and hope is um, hope is is a good word. And I think if you can, like, hold each other up and just walk alongside of each other and and try to be that little ray of hope for them so that they don't lose sight of that, that's the most important thing you can do. You don't have to say a lot of fancy words because most times there are no words to say. They have to process their grief, grief and everyone is individual in doing that. Um, but just to be there for them and let them know that things will you know, be brighter again, and and hope is is on the horizon. Giving hope to one another. Thank you so much, Kathy Stang, grief counselor, with us this morning for Morning Air here on Relevant Radio. Time now for today's Story Corner. As we deal with so much cold weather across the northern tier of states, our story today is sharing the warmth. Angel, a Jew, owner of the most famous bakery in Germany, often said, Do you know why I'm alive today? 
I was still a teen when the Nazis in Germany killed Jews mercilessly. Nazis took us to Auschwitz by train. Last night in the ward was deadly cold. We were left for many days in cars without food, without beds, which means without the possibility to warm up somehow. It was snowing everywhere. The cold wind froze our cheeks every second. There were hundreds of us on those cold, horrible nights. No food, no water, no hiding. The blood freezing in our veins. Next to me was an elderly Jew who was very loved in my city. He was shaking all over, looking terrible. I wrapped him with my hands to warm him up, hugged him tight to give him some warmth, rubbed his hands, legs, face, and neck. I begged him to stay alive. I cheered him up, and this is how I kept this man warm all night. I myself was tired and frozen, fingers crossed, but I kept massaging the man's body to warm him up. So many hours passed, finally the morning came and the sun started to shine. I looked around myself to see the other people. But to my horror, all I could see was frozen corpses. All I could hear was the silence of death. The frosty night had killed everyone. They died of cold. Only two people survived, the old man and me. The old man survived because I didn't let him freeze and I survived because I made him warm. Allow me to tell you the secret of survival in this world. When you warm the heart of others, then you'll warm yourself. When you support, strengthen, and encourage others, then you receive support, strengthening, and encouragement in your life. From 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. That's our Story Corner today. You can feel free to access that anytime on our relevant radio app in podcast form. Thank you so much to producers Sarah and Gabby for making today's show go. Patrick Madrid show will go next. He's got all the answers coming up after we've done all the news headlines. It's on the way right here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.